Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 115 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And we are kicking off Urology Coding Month in October. So we wanted to give you a heads up that it, our podcasts this month are all going to be uh, various urology coding building blocks and kind of how, how everything fits together. And we want to make sure that you all know that it is Urology Coding Month. And our seminar, the early bird pricing is available for our seminar. So please get signed up for the Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminar in Las Vegas coming in December and in New Orleans in January. And you can go to the episode page, which is prsnetwork.com forward slash 115 for more information on how to sign up for that. All right. So since it is Urology Coding Month, we wanted to start, uh, you know, obviously uh, with everything going on, we wanted to talk about rules. That's kind of the, the basics of coding and the rules and regs and what you have to do in order to get paid accurately for all the services you provide. So we are going to talk about upcoming new codes and how that's going to impact you. And this is also going to be the topic uh, we're going to go uh, talk about this on our monthly webinar, which is coming up on October 6th. You can listen to it live or you can uh, watch the replay. We want to thank ModMed for being a sponsor to help make that free. So that is coming up on October 6th. Again, we will put that link in the episode page. So that's prsnetwork.com forward slash 115. Okay, so we want to talk about that. Uh, but first, we want to talk about why the rules are so important. And I know we've talked about this many, many times, but we want to kind of revisit it and share what's – just give you a, kind of an analogy of, of how this impacts uh, or how the rules impact you. So, Mark, you want to start us off with uh, why the rules are so important? Sure. So, so I'll start you off with a non-coding issue, um, but basically uh, uh, a little story about my life as a consultant overall, which requires a lot of travel. Um, and 
So one there, there was a uh, one year um, pre-pandemic, which you know we'll have to say was decades ago, because um, <laughs> that's what it feels like <laughs> at this point. Um, that uh, I was approaching the end of the year, and um, I have my status with United because um, I flew a lot of United um, was. Um, just on the edge and, um, you know, taking a, I, I, I really have benefited from having status with United, uh, you know, upgrades, early boarding, all the things that, uh, make travel a lot more tolerable when you travel a lot. Um, but you have to, you have to pay for it in time in the seats, or at least you used to. Um, and so, uh, one year I got towards the end of the year. Um, looked at where I was with my current miles and I was going to be short, um, but only a little bit, um, for, to get my mileage status for the next year. Um, and so I hopped on a plane and took an extra trip so I could get my miles to save my status. Um, and, you know, ultimately that, that trip was, you know, enjoyable enough. I went to Vegas, but, it was definitely not one that was necessarily popular on the home front, <laughs> but at the same time, um, a, a, you know, important to me in my travel overall. And the main reason I, I tell you that is that, um, you know, one of the, the issues about coding that we run into time and time again is, you know, that some of the lack of understanding of how that that is a driver for getting paid for what you do to allow you to stay in practice and continue to provide the care that you need for your patients. And, you know, overall, um, I think many of you listening to this podcast are, are, are good at keeping up with the rules and paying attention to everything. Um, but, I kind of wanted to drop back a little bit today and and talk about some of the foundational issues surrounding some of those rule sets. Um, And um, so one of them is that everything that you do really needs to be medically necessary. Um, So that really needs to be that first jumping off point. And And I think there are times when I get out and I'm talking to different groups um, around the country, and you know, people are asking me about uh, scheduling patients on different days and moving things around because of of some of the things that they've been told. Um, that in the end, um, or you know, billing an E&M on the same day as a prostatic needle biopsy with a modifier 25, and you know, one of the pieces that we have always emphasized and, and ultimately is the long-term driver of everything that you, that you do is, yeah, you, if knowing the rules and understanding that you can document a significant separately identifiable service on the same day as another procedure on the, that you provide, um, still has to meet that basic medical necessity foundation. So, um, you know, that, that in, in the end, in my, in my world of travel, that extra trip 
was only for me. It was selfish. I didn't have that secondary medical necessity piece because that trip wasn't medically necessary as it's an equivalent. <laughs> that was just something for me. So you've got to balance out everything that we, you deal with on coding with making sure that what you're doing is at the end goal, the right thing for the patient. So um, you want to make sure that that piece of the of the equation is included in your documentation because not everybody's going to clearly understand what's medically necessary in urology because they don't understand urology. Um, so that's one of the the other key foundational pieces that's out there is that, and you've heard us say it over and over again, that documentation, that communication of everything that's, you know, in your head and, and a lot of times assumed because you know it's the thing to do. Um, isn't necessarily something that translates into everything that is is it is is uh, important to an auditor or a chart reviewer um, from an uh, from a payer. So you you want to get in the habit of of spending that little extra time and and hopefully now that you've gotten used to the new E and M documentation rules and some of that ad, administrivia time of clicking through the review of systems and the practice or the physical exam gives you a little more time to actually um, add some of the stuff that really supports what you're doing. So um, as we go through all the stuff and as you think about all these rules, remember that that overarching piece is is still there it, and it's very important uh, as that foundation. Um, so um, I just want to remind everybody about that. A lot of times we jump into the coding end game and you want to make sure what you're doing is the right thing um, and make sure that the documentation supports that you know that. Um, now, when we look at um, a few of the foundational issues in coding that we need to pay attention to, um, one of the things that we, we, want to, we want to pay attention to is code changes and rule changes. Because um, even though we've got, you know, that medical necessity foundation in for what you're doing the right thing for the patient, what the payers pay for and what they require um, may not fit that exact logic flow that you're thinking about. So you need to understand um, all of the hoops that are required um, for the patient to receive the benefit of coverage and for you to actually get paid for what you do. Um, so October is the beginning of the fiscal year um, uh, for Medicare and things reset. Um, I, it's also a very busy time for the payers across the board. I talked to a, a, a friend of mine who's a medical director at Neridian, and he was telling me that right now um, they have uh, they're spending all of their time looking at all the new Category 3 codes. And the timing of that is based on the release of the CPT book for 2023. So that got that gets released in September of every year. And so all of the medical directors, now that they know what the final published codes are, have to, to start looking through those to see what's medically necessary, what's supported by literature, what they're going to classify as experimental. Um, 
And that is a requirement now by CMS that the carriers do that. So every one of the carriers is looking at all those category three codes that are coming out. And there are several um, category three codes that are out there that pertain to urology. Um, so we'll watch for uh, in the next couple of months, any LCAs um, that talk about those category three codes and whether or not they're going to be covered and why. Um, so that you've got those changes coming through. Um, ICD-10 changes um, the new year for ICD-10 starts it starts October 1. And next week, we'll talk more about ICD-10 coding, which we don't do all the time. But um, so we want to dedicate a specific ep episode to ICD-10. So that's another piece of the equation that's out there. And then, of course, we now get a peak at all the new CPT codes that are going to be effective on the 1st of January and can start making some of our plans. We won't know the final pricing for those, but we do have some leads as to what's going forward there. And we are going to spend some time um, next week, as Scott mentioned, uh, on our, our webinar talking about the impact of the new codes and what we foresee is are going to be the reimbursement issues based on the proposed rule. Um, and as you know, um, with Medicare, we get the proposed rule in July, and then we get the final rule with Medicare's final decisions and the final numbers in November. So we can at least um, look at what we think is going to happen. And Medicare does make changes, but not many um, overall. So it's a pretty good uh, barometer of what's going to happen in the future. So so we'll take a look at those issues in a, a little more detail. Our new, our new code for the simple robotic prostatectomy um, and the co upcoming code changes for PCNL are the big ones. Um, and then, of course, we've got the, the change upcoming for the evaluation and management codes um, outside the office. So we so we'll cover that in a little bit more detail. But those, you know, again, a reminder that, you know, every year this this is a busy time of year as we kind of plan for next year, and the payers are taking a look at what they're paying, what they're going to pay for, um, and um, to a degree they're looking at what they they have already looked at what was kind of out of whack from the payment sides, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, that those LCAs and LCDs tend to, to bubble up and, and get introduced this time of year. So there's a lot going on from change side of the equation, and we have to keep up with all those rule changes. Um, so it's important to stay plugged in to your payers, um, and it's important to stay plugged into your Medicare bulletins and to your to your uh, to your Mac this time of year to see what types of changes or what new rules um, they are introducing. Um, and, and one of the reasons I think we made uh, October Urology Coding Month um, because of that timing. Ray, any uh, thoughts on that? I do. I have a couple. And one in talking about the rules, uh, it's important to know the rules 
but it's also important to know how to apply the rules. And uh, I'll give you two examples of of the application and the knowledge being a little off. Many years ago, we hired a coder who was very impressive. She knew the rules and could spout them off better than I could. But then when it got down to trying to code, she had no idea how to blend a rule or tell which rule trumps this rule and what to do. So as far as a coder, it wasn't very beneficial. And the second thing, in our business, we hire newly graduated coders with certificates, but we put them into uh, other, other jobs rather than coder while they are learning how to apply all that knowledge that they have. So uh, you need to know how to apply them. It's important for everybody to know certain parts of the rules. Physicians, for instance, they don't know the need to know the details of everything, but they do under, need to understand the system, the basics, and they do need to know how to identify services that should be paid versus services that are considered a part of a global. And they do need to know the rules of documentation for both what they need to document for what they did, but also to support the coding that, that would get them paid for what they do. Good points. And I will uh, pile on Mark's statement as well and kind of uh, go back to the changes you know, and what we've seen, you know, as far as as learning coding and then, as Ray mentioned, applying the rules with the changes, a lot of uh, there's a there's a misconception out there that you can learn coding and you're done. You, you don't need anything more. You know, I've learned it. I've learned how to apply it. But as Mark mentioned, there's new rules coming up every year. There's new payer rules coming up monthly, you know. Every week, there's a there's some new payer denying something for something. So you've, and and there's just all sorts of things happening. So, coding's not uh, a learning. You know, it's kind of we equate it back to to medicine and practicing medicine. You've got your new technologies, new techniques, everything. You know, new drugs. Everything coming is coming, and and evolving. And that is the same with coding. So you've got to keep learning. Got to keep uh, understanding and keep practicing coding because it's it's not a one and done thing it's it's an always moving target and and it's a complicated system so we're that's what we're here to do is try and make that easier and try and spoon feed you that information so that hopefully you can keep up with all that okay so mark do you want to just touch a little bit more on the the new codes that were the on the webinar do you want to go a little bit more in depth here and then uh if you want to join us on the webinar you can hear get your questions answered and um spend a little more time diving in in depth but want to just kind of alert you to the new codes on the podcast okay so the 
the the the new code for the robotic simple prostatectomy, um, which I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, the five five eight um, uh, was uh, is now going to be in place uh, in uh, on January first, and um, this has been a struggle um, working with each of the um, payers as to how they were going to pay the robotic simple prostatectomy. There were a couple of there was some advice given um, by the AUA early that had to be modified because of the AMA's uh, uh, solidifying their stance on approach. Um, so, um, so there's been a lot of confusion around this code um, and or this service and how to code it appropriately. And it, it hasn't been the easiest thing to deal with for, from a payer standpoint, trying to get uh, prior authorizations and, and those types of things. So it, it is going to be a good thing to have that in place um, without a doubt, but it is um, also gonna require that we make some of the changes in the background so that uh, you've got your systems loaded and your uh, templates mapped appropriately uh, and you're, you've got your uh, prior auth people geared together. So your orders have to be straightened. So, um, but it, and it does include, um, uh, everything related to the simple robotic prostatectomy. Um, then the second um, uh, piece that I'll, I'll will talk about is the effect of adding a new code um, into a family of codes. Uh, it, it's not an island, unfortunately, and so we're going to see some impact on some of the relative values for the codes that are for. Um, subtotal prostatectomy and for the laparoscopic radical prostatectomy, those values look like they're going to change quite a bit. Um, so um, understanding that from the standpoint of what the impact will be to your practice from a revenue standpoint is yet another thing you'll want to take a good look at. So a few things to plan for there um, and get ready for. Um, and then the other, the oh, change relative, I yeah. I will give you the code. It's five five eight six seven, six seven, which makes sense. One more than the uh, <laughs> than the total. It's the five five eight six seven. It's the laparoscopy surgical prostatectomy simple subtotal, and in parentheses including control of postoperative bleeding vasectomy meiotomy urethral calibration and or dilation and internal urethrotomy into the parentheses and then it says includes robotic assistant when performed so that's the five five eight six seven okay next one Mark. so rather than torture everyone else with the uh with the code changes um with five zero zero eight zero and five zero zero eight one um which were description changes moving forward i'm gonna i'm gonna say we punt that detailed description to the uh to the webinar um and we'll have that discussion um next thursday because those the, the you know those are long-standing codes and the the changes um do have some nuances that will change kind of how your descriptions go through and um really i i would think um might would require you to uh, have a discussion uh, be among the clinic clinical staff 
and your coding staff to help them understand um, when to use those two codes and also talk about what additional codes could potentially be used because those code changes are accompanied by proposed um, reductions and uh, actually not small reductions um, to both of those codes. So um, it's going to be important to look at the the details surrounding both of those PCNL codes. So we'll we'll cover that, and it's that's a lot easier to do with visuals. Um, and so that's why we're going to to move that to the uh, to the webinar. Um, and then, uh, of course, the changes to the uh, evaluation and management codes for sites of service other than office. You know, our 2021 ENM changes were all geared towards the office. Um, the AMA has decided 2023 is going to be the rollout year for the, the expanding those changes to all other codes. Um, but they also took that opportunity and that change to collapse some code sets. Um, so I, in the end, it's it, it it'll make things a lot either easier for your billing and coding staff because it, it cuts down the number of codes we have to deal with. And it cuts down some of the problematic areas we dealt with there. So in in all, um, I would say the CPT changes that are coming up were were well done and really addressed some of the problems we we were dealing with, not all of them by any means, but at least some of them that we're dealing with in day-to-day -day coding and reimbursement. So they're, they're welcome changes from the coding side. Of course, the translation into the payment side, yeah, that's you know a little bit less of a <laughs> less of a positive. Um, let's just say that 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 didn't turn out as well for the the surgical stuff, but um, it'll help on the E and M side. All right, so uh, that webinar again, you can uh, get more information on that at the episode page prsnetwork.com forward slash one one five, and again if you. Want to tune in live? That's October 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, or you can uh, watch the replay. All right, uh, let's end this episode here. Uh, uh, Mark, do you want to give your final thoughts, and then we'll go to Ray? So it, I'm going to loop back to the beginning um, with all this stuff, isn't it? You know, you've got to start with medical necessity and what the patient needs. Um, and then layer on top of that, you know, that the patient's needs are, and yours are not just clinical, but also have to be navigated through the financial side. So understanding what needs to be done and then understanding how best to provide those services and how to document those services um, for uh, coverage so that everybody comes out uh, fully remunerated um, uh, is important. So pay attention to both coding and uh, rules, um, but base everything on medical necessity. Ray? Well said. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, let's end this thing here. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. 
where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. <laughs>